Ladies and gentlemen, how do you are listening to the Synapse Films Podcast, a journey into the world of Synapse Films. So buckle up and enjoy the ride. Susie Banyan decided to perfect her ballet studies in the most famous school of dance in Europe. The killer is coming. The killer's gonna get you. I'm just crazy about this store. I've been expecting you. You thought Iron Maiden was a heavy metal band. <laughs> Don't drink my flavor. Welcome to the Synapse Films Podcast. I am Timo Sabin. Some folks in the horror community know me as Timo. I will be your host on this journey into all things Synapse Films. Greetings, friends, and thank you for listening to another episode of the Synapse Films Podcast. You may recall last episode, we received an email from listener Cody Marion, in which he requested we do an episode on Suspiria. You may also recall my answer where I said, sure, sometime later this winter. Well, there's no time like the present, and Cody, you're right. We should talk about it a little bit here on the podcast. I've decided to acquiesce, and indeed, this is what we are going to do. We are going to be speaking about Suspiria on this episode. Now, you can refer back to episode number five to hear Don May speak on some of the issues that he ran into, some of the technical issues he ran into while restoring Suspiria. And I know we will speak more on the movie in future episodes as well. But again, and I need to stress this, Don is feverishly, as always, trying to get these titles done, packaged, quality controlled, ready to get into your hands. In order to do that, he needs time, all the time he can get. So while he is doing that for the greater good of all of us fans, Synapse Films co-owner Jerry Chandler, as always, will graciously make an appearance here. And let's face it, Jerry's so bored, he's got nothing to do. He's constantly moping around the office, trying to search around for a stapler that might need to be filled or a plant that might need to be watered. We said, Jerry... Take some time out and sit down and talk once again with your friends and fans on the Synapse Films podcast. And all kidding aside, uh, Jerry goes into some of the details on the business side of putting out Suspiria, and it's, it's quite a story in of itself. So I hope you find that as fascinating as I did, and also our guest on this episode is Synapse Films team member, the lovely and talented... Jen Rowe. How can anyone discuss the film Suspiria without having a feminine voice in the mix? And there's no one sharper or ready to go more than Jen. So after Jerry and I speak some nuts and bolts about the film, we will be speaking with Jen. More of a, as I like to call it, a movie nerd conversation about the film. So hope you enjoy that. And remember, the catalyst to this entire episode was an email sent in by Cody Marion. So again, if you have any comments, suggestions, questions about the podcast, please send me an email at tim at synapsefilms.com. Of course, as you can tell by now, I will read and respond to the emails as soon as I can. So thank you and keep those emails coming in. But first, I am very pleased and excited that we are announcing two more releases coming up. Both of these titles have a March 8th, 2022 street date and are currently available for pre-order on the Synapse Films website. 
First up, we have the Christina Lindbergh classic, Thriller, a cruel picture on Blu-ray, and the Dario Argento classic, Phenomena, on 4K. So again, street date on both titles is March 8th. Thriller, a cruel picture on Blu-ray, Phenomena, on 4K, Again, March 8th, Thriller A Cruel Picture will be released on a single disc Blu-ray release, and Phenomena will be a two 4K disc release. Two 4K discs, so no Blu-rays or DVDs, all 4K. So go to the Synapse Films website and pre-order your copies of both of those releases now. Okay, enough of me. Now let's get to Synapse Films co-owner, Jerry Chandler. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Tim. What's happening? Lots is happening. At least lots is happening in the Synapse world. Uh, again, I have not been... I can't stop talking about this. The Kindred is coming out. It's the street date, December 14th. Can you believe it's actually happening? You know, it's been such a long road with that title. When we were first made aware of the fact that uh, the Screen Actors Guild was trying to sell off that picture in perpetuity, and to, from the day we heard that in, like, I'm going to guess around 2002, 2003, to where we are now, man, what a journey. I mean, we... You know, it, it's a it's a long, weird story. But, uh, you know, we went from being a target or one of the targets of a, a lawsuit to becoming best friends with the person who I'm referring to the producer of the film, Charlie Meeker. He became one of our best friends and uh, was such a great guy. And I got to tell you, it's a little heartbreaking he just passed away just a few months ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. And him and I and Don worked so hard at putting this deal together. And I think even uh, our lawyer, Charles, was involved in just what we went through and everything. Uh, and with Charlie, because, you know, he was a victim, too. Right. I, I really don't want to go into the, the horrible details of what the Screen Actors Guild did to all of us. But right. we'll just skip that. Right. But uh, you know, you know, it's very bittersweet. It's 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 sweet that it's finally coming out in this wonderful, wonderful edition. It's just a little bitter that, that Charlie didn't get to see it himself. Right. I know. I know when the Kindred actually comes out. That's I'm honing in to to get Don back on the show for that one for you guys to talk about because it took so so long. Uh, and and to, to at least speak on it as much as you can in public, you know, or whatever. But I definitely want to get you guys back on to talk about the long road that that movie had. And from from my point of view, from a fan's point of view, I'm sitting there since the VH, VHS days wondering where the hell this movie went. You know, it was a good movie. It was fun. It wasn't some cheap little movie that no one had ever heard of, you know. So, so it was a mystery uh, because while that was going on, I was not privy to that info. So I'm sitting around going, where the hell is the kindred at? But you know what? The funny thing is it doesn't matter because it's coming out now. And and it's kind of cool that the last time I saw the kindred was a VHS copy. And now we're going to see a restoration by Don. Uh, I think I'm going to be impressed. 
let me just say this. You're definitely barking up the right tree. This is definitely Don's story to tell. When we finally got through everything and we're re-awarded, let me use that word, re-awarded the film, Don had looked at all the work that he had done previously and I mean, this is like, I th I'm guessing now, so forgive me if uh, some future Synapse historian finds that I'm off a little bit on my dates, mm. but I think it was finally came back to us in 2016, or we never really lost. I, I don't know how you want to describe it. We were given the green light to work on it again, right. I believe in around 2016. I remembered, you know, the... You know, I'm the business end of the business, so you could imagine. For me, that's great news. And Don swiftly follows that delivery of great news with, you know what? Now that it's, you know, we can work on it again, I'm looking at what I did, and I know I could do better. Right. And it's like, oh! <laughs> and now you have five more years. But it's his story, and he did make it better. And it's his gift to... Everybody out there, right, right. Just enjoy it. Sit back. Don't think. You know, it, it's like uh, childbirth. You know, my wife told me, I could only imagine it's true. Why would she lie? <laughs> but she's always told me that childbirth was extremely painful. Mm. Yet, she went through it a couple times. So my theory is, look, yeah, it's all all painful. But once that baby comes out, you forget about it. You you have that baby, right. you know, that you couldn't have gotten without the struggle. Right. And that's what the kindred's going to be. It's it's another delivery. Right. It was a rough one, a very rough <laughs> delivery. Right. Well, but, there's uh, there's going to be a whole show on it for sure. I mean, just to yeah, talk I about mean, it. Yeah, I mean, the baby's got five, ten fingers and ten toes. Excellent. That's, that's the saying, you know, that you look for as soon as it's born. So it, it's great, and it's Don's story <laughs> yeah, right. to tell. So, like I said, you know, and, and the other thing I want to mention is, you know, you know, people could rewind and, and listen to what you said before I started talking. The last moment I gave you to get in a word edgewise, uh, <laughs> you mentioned what a great movie it is. Well, I just want to say Charlie didn't make bad movies. Uh, it was one of his at least three big genre blockbusters. And in case there's anybody out there in, in podcast land that doesn't know Charlie Meeker, he did near dark perhaps one of the greatest vampire flicks of all time and he also did the hitcher the original hitcher which again who i mean come on it scared all of us it was a, such a great movie and now and then and he did the kindred so he you know he didn't do bad movies that's one thing about charlie Baker, i'll say he he only did uh, good movies and uh it was made with his uh, partner ed feldman who, you know, unfortunately, we lost him about a year before Charlie. So it's, I'll tell you what, it's the tough thing about, it's the toughest thing about being in this business for a long time. The people you have to pull out of your Rolodex and take out of your phone, it's just, oh, it's devastating. Well, it's, it's, they left uh, these terrific movies and the Kindred will be coming out. And I'm sure that they'll be smiling from above, you know, to, to see that. Everyone finally getting to see those movies or that movie, especially the way it was supposed to be seen, because none of us have seen it the way it's supposed to be seen. So I'm I'm excited for sure. Um, right. 
Uh, speaking of Don's story to tell, uh, there, I, I, uh, I made a little, uh, I made a little boo boo. I made a little faux pas in the in the the synapse house here. So I am excited because I have Demons and Demons Two, the new 4K releases that that you and Don have have put out and are are rightfully excited about and proud of and everything. And so uh, Angie and myself watched both of them this, this weekend, and they look fantastic. I'm not... Stop, stop, stop. I have to interrupt right okay. here. Everybody who's listening, pay very close attention. Turn up your volume a little bit. This is about to get hilarious. <laughs> so, Continue, please. Yeah, so, <laughs> so we're watching these movies, and we get to Demons 2. And I see this little shot, and I see this little jitter in the film. I'm like, oh, that's odd. Uh, uh, must have been a, like a little handshake problem between my 4K player and my TV. I have a magnificent top-of-the-line 4K player and uh, the TV I could afford. <laughs> so I'm thinking, well, okay, it's a handshake problem. We get to another spot in the film, and it, it looks like it looks like the camera guy is just beating his head against the camera and it's just shaking around and it's jittering and it's juttering. I'm like going, Oh, Oh, there, there's a, I think there's a problem here. I think there's, a sp- so I actually go back over the film and I watch the whole movie again and I write down like what timestamps and stuff are there? Like where these jitters are and stuff. And I call Jerry <laughs> and I say, Jerry, and I'm very sheepish about this too. You know, I'm like, Jerry, I, I, I think I might've found some problems. On yeah, the, the bearer uh, of bad news. <laughs> Please don't shoot the messenger. Right. I come hat in hand. I, I, I found problems. Almost crying. Almost <laughs> crying. I go, I go, Torgo, Torgo, what is it? <laughs> There's problems with the demons too, master. <laughs> I was, I was not, I was real upset about it. So yeah, so I tell Jerry and Jerry immediately goes, are you talking about like a jitter in the camera? And then I knew, I was like, oh yeah. I mean, I, I even went to both versions of the movie, the Italian version. I went Don May on you. I went, I went to the Italian version and I went to the United States version or whatever. And I was like, well, the subtitles aren't jittering. So I, I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> could you please tell yeah. Now I found out that yeah. I was the second person to ask you about this. Right. Like, in so, that, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. So, yeah. So what did I scream at you? Three words. Read the ticket. Yeah. That was the funny part because uh, I said, "Didn't you read the ticket?" And you go, "Oh uh, no, was I supposed to?" And it's like Targo. So yes. Yeah, so on the t- now, of course, Jerry. What do you think the first thing I did? Whatever, whatever you told you don't even know this part of it yet. I'm I'm busting myself out here. Listen, I just want everybody to know that I I have a real honesty problem. I cannot lie to any of you people. So I just won't say anything if I don't have anything good to say, basically. So I'm telling you this is exactly what happened after Jerry said, look at the ticket, you know, the ticket in the, what ticket? What are you talking? So I open up and I grab the ticket and I'm looking around going, well, this doesn't say anything at all. It doesn't say anything at all. What ticket? What are you talking about? Wait, Tim, I, it's exactly the point. It was the ticket. I wanted you in the theater so the demons would get you. <laughs> well, the problem was I was looking at the wrong ticket. Okay. I was looking at the ticket for the theater for the demons to get me. We were talking about Demons 
2, which takes place in an apartment building, which the ticket you were talking about was was the invitation to the birthday party. So it's I still didn't get it. I, I had to fumble through all the going, oh, and then I found out something that I did not know, that there is an issue on the negative at those parts. There's always been an issue there, and it was it's been addressed as much as it can be. And I didn't know. But now you do. I do and know you're now. so much better off for that. I am. My brain is that much more impressive now that I know that. So <laughs> anybody listening who uh, who is a little, like, intelligence challenged, like myself, uh, yes, if you are watching Demons 2, there will be a little bit. And it's not even in, like, these big parts, really. It's that one part is like a couple walking across a bridge. You know, there's not much going on in them, but there's a little jitter in the camera, and it is it is there, and it is on the negative. I did not know that. I did not read the invitation, nor did I read the the uh, <laughs> the ticket for anything. So my bad. I should have done that. But uh, so before you guys call Jerry. Uh, or send an email, or there's a defect on Demons 2. No, there's not. The defect is on the actual negative itself. So I have busted myself out. It's inherent in the film, and it's supposed to be there, and I'd be concerned if it wasn't. Right. Um, (laughs) But, you know, we look at it like this. It's one of the little, you know, listen, these guys weren't perfect, and so they made a mistake. It's part of the charm. All of that stuff is part of the charm. Yeah, I agree. How is uh, how are things uh, going with Demons, Demons 2? You guys have released them. Uh, everybody really seems happy. Great. Good. I'm, not, I'm surprised that the 4K, I don't know why I'm, I should say I'm surprised, but the 4K is almost sold out. It's really blowing out uh, the sales you know mm-hmm. what did I say? It's doing really, really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Blu-ray's plugging along, which is understandable. I you know I would recommend really to upgrade to the 4K if you can, even though the Blu-ray is an upgrade of our old Blu Blu-ray. You know, as a collector, you know I I've I've got your Blu-rays, both of the steel books, you know the old ones. So I think the only reason I would get that Blu-ray is be, if I didn't get your other. Steelbook Blu-rays, which then it's absolutely worth it if you want to do that. But otherwise, yeah, I I definitely think the 4K is an upgrade. And I'm one of these people too, Jerry. That I'm not I'm not completely sold on the 4K, and partially because there's been some pretty substandard 4K discs that have been put out there, so it makes me a little hesitant. Uh, oh, a lot of them. Yeah, a lot of them. Yeah, and then the the technology too with some of the. You know, it's like I said, my television, my player is awesome. My TV is eh, what I could afford at the time. You know, so sometimes a lot of those bells and whistles don't always show up great on that. But this, but but these movies looked great. Uh, there's been a couple of, a couple releases that I think have looked great in 4K, and those did look good, very good. Of course, I was very sheepish and <laughs> worried about the jitter in part two. But there you go. That's that's me. So screw me. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, so I, I I have a question for you because one of the cool things that Synapse has going on right now is it's almost like a road show. It seems like uh, Tombs of the Blind Dead. By the time anyone hears this, this will already have occurred. This event. Uh, but in my hometown of St. Louis, they're going to uh, be screening two nights. I do believe. Uh, Tombs of the Blind Dead, Don's restoration of Tombs of the Blind Dead. I do have a question for you. Um, yes. 
is that, do you guys push those screenings? I mean, or is that something that you get a phone call and people are asking, can we screen this? Or do you guys sort of promote that? It's definitely door number two. You have people like Fantasia, Beyond Fest in LA, Fantasia's in Montreal, and also various theaters around the US, not a lot, but some that love the retro stuff and they know that we're really the only people doing major, major restorations. So on these types of films, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's other companies that are certainly making them look good, but you know, Don's really, really letting out the stops. You know, he always has. Mm -hmm. So what happens is we get a call, like we get a call from Mitch Davis every year saying, hey, what, what can I show at Fantasia? And the Beyond Fest people too. Um, they wanted us to screen the, the demons restorations. And, you know, we just, we didn't have, there was too much going on at the time. So I, I think our DCP was gone. I, I don't remember what the story was exactly, but we gave them the, I, we said, you want tombs instead? So far tombs has played uh, Fantasia beyond fest and Harry Garrow's uh, all night uh, movie thon. It just played there. And then for the fourth play it's going to be in st louis with these guys and uh so far they seem to be very appreciative of the restoration and if you like that movie and i have always loved tombs of the blind dead the first one is such an uh iconic horror film i love it mm -hmm. so much and to be able to restore it, even though it's it's really Don doing all the work and everything, but just to be part of it, right, is great. The the guys, it's late night grindhouse here in St. Louis. It's it's a I know people who know them. I'm not like good good friends with them, but I know who they are. I believe we are connected on Facebook and and things like that too. But they they <clears throat> they host showings like this that I see, you know, that I see going on in St. Louis and stuff. And I know that they they care very deeply about these movies and they, they promote these things pretty well. You, you know, and the movie that uh, that we're going to be talking about with our guest this week, Jen Rowe, another Synapse team member here, is Suspiria. And that had a pretty legendary run at some theaters. I mean, that played at the Alamo Draft House and places like that, right? Yes. You know, it's funny. Man, it was back then. I, th I I don't know who owned 20th Century Fox, but they were 20th Century Fox. Now they're part of Disney, I believe. But that back then, I, the guy we had to deal with, he was so adamant that we were not allowed to book it anywhere, show it anywhere. If I asked for permission, no, it's got to go through us or whatever. So I said, well, you know, we just did this major restoration. Do you want a DCP to screen it? He said, we'll take it if you give it to us. He wouldn't even, they wouldn't even pay us for the DCP. <laughs> but Don and I decided that the, you know, the work that we did was, was pretty great. And I think we were being pushed along by people on the boards, you know, the internet that were fawning over it. So we said, you know what, let's give them a DCP. It'll cost us a couple grand. We'll make it for them. They can make their own copies, but It'll be theatrical. People will be able to see this restoration and, and hear it. That was the most important thing, the hearing it. Because if you saw it in a theater back when we were first slapping it around, so to speak, before COVID, uh -huh. 
it's the audio that just, I mean, aside from the colors and the, you know, what, aside from all that, people could not get over the swirling sound, which was a 4.0, whatever Argento did back then. It was a very rare audio format. You mentioned earlier that uh, there's been a lot of disappointing 4Ks. Well, yes. if you're going to create a 4K, you have to work it, and Don knows how to do it. So I won't even begin to attempt to go into any type of detail. This is strictly Don's department. But I will say this. My father's 97 years old, and the 4K was reviewed in a lot of different places, but we saw a review uh, of the Suspiria 4K in Forbes magazine, and I was able to show that to my father, and that was one of the proudest moments of my life. I bet, it was, yeah. <laughs> it was just amazing. They said it was the greatest uh, 4K disc ever created, and it should be a reference disc in every home theater store, which <laughs> kind of... Kind of makes you feel good. Sure. Anyway, all right, enough about that. So what else? Uh, Jen, let me just say this about Jen. We love Jen so much. Oh, my God. We knew Jen, and we knew Ryan separately for years. You know, Jen would always come by with her at that point, their, her husband at that time, and she was a super fan like Boz way back then. And, you know, and then uh, Dave Kosanky, Kospank me, and <laughs> ro rock and roll and Olson, <laughs> they show up. And, you know, so we became friends, you know, with both sets of people separately right. and both penetrated the egg, you know. <laughs> right. And then to see the two of them, I remember standing there when they first laid eyes on each other and you could almost hear... <laughs> You know, the bells going off in the background, and, and either I took a giant hit off the trauma guy's bong, or that was cherubs flying around. I don't know which, but it doesn't really matter. Um, we're going to their wedding in March. Nice. Nice. So it's great, and they, they have a, a beautiful son together, and they're raising three kids, and you know, God damn it. Every time I get depressed and I feel this world's full of shit and, you know, and, and, you know, I'm feeling sorry for myself. All I got to do is think about things that happen, like Ryan and Jen finding each other. And it's like the sunrise starts rising again or coming out from behind a cloud, you know? So it's not all bad. All you people out there that suffer from depression or whatever, take my word for it. It's not all bad. There's a lot of good things that happen too. I know you've said before that that is uh, Synapse's greatest success story. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like a love story. We've we've done it all between Don and I and this business in twenty six years. Ain't nothing we haven't we haven't seen. We <laughs> right. you know so. Well, you knew when, when Ryan Rock and Rollson met met Jen Rock and Row. Something was gonna. Something was gonna happen. Something's gonna happen. And they, they've had a. You you've had a. I don't want to go. I don't want to get too weird about it. But you've had a slight hand in creating another human. If they've had a, a child together, that is that's quite a. That's not a restoration, buddy. You know, that's a creation. So that's yeah. That's right an there. indie project. <laughs> exactly right. Right. Jen would come up to the table uh, and talk to us, and uh, we, uh, you know, after 
a few years, you know, plus Jen is a very beautiful woman. So, you know, when she comes up and sits and talks to you, you know, you pay attention. Right. (laughs) So, you know, after a few years, you know, again, you know, these people become friends. They're not asking you for a few dollars off. They're not asking you anything. They're saying, hey, what's new? Yeah, I want this and I want that, you know, and let's talk. Let's, what are you doing after? Let's go to dinner and, and this kind of stuff, you know? So she became that quickly. And, uh, you know, her husband, she used to walk around with her husband, but then she was a free agent after a while. Right. Okay. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, and she was at the table and, and they were, uh, you know, I, I say they, because Cospame and rock and Rolson were like, <laughs> uh, like, like, uh, I couldn't see where they were attached, but they were attached. <laughs> right. This is going to sound uh-huh. very dirty and perverted, but it's not. And I, I will clarify, I'm a happy endings kind of guy. Uh-huh. And by that, I mean, I like seeing the guy and the girl walking off to the sunset together and happily ever after. It's so rare in reality. But, you know, but that's just the kind of person I am. I love happy endings. I really do. And and this seems like one. You know, it really does. It really does. So it's 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 very 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 nice. You know. Well, we're, I'm excited nice. to I'm excited to have her on and talk about Suspiria. I wanted a feminine voice to talk about Suspiria Absolutely. because it's it's and I want to have and it was partially written by by Daria Nicolodi too. So so there is a, a feminine voice in the writing itself, but it's very that's a very interesting film with that dynamic and and anybody who watches Argeno knows that you're always a little uncomfortable with with him and and uh and his how his women are treated and stuff in film so it'll be very very interesting conversation I do have a business question for you uh real quick and answer as much as you can you know basically but you did mention that you had had some um difficulties sometimes working with some of the, the Japanese companies. Well, you also work with Italian companies to get some of their films. How are they to work with? By and large, we've only dealt with a couple of Italian licensors. Uh, let me start with the licensor, and of course, forgive me, but it's nobody's business, so I'm not going to name who they are. Sure, sure. But uh, the people I dealt with regarding Suspiria, we only had one little rough patch. We paid for the scan of the negative and it was done in Italy and they took our scan and gave it to somebody who was competing with us. And again, interesting story, the, just the outskirts of it, the, the bare bones of the story was this person came to us and said, Hey, you guys have Suspiria for the U S and I have it for, a certain European country. Would you like to work together? And Don said, no, I don't think so. And, you know, from Don's point of view, listen, we've been doing this 26 years. We've never found anybody with his eye. We've fought to try and speed up the process. We've tried to find other QC people, but nobody can QC like Don. And that's not just me saying it. I defy anybody to QC like Don. So we said, listen, thank you for asking, but no. Okay, so now the guy's on the warpath, right? Now he hates us. 
So, okay, so we don't say anything publicly about him. We're not talking about him. We're not talking about anything. We're going about our business because that's what we do. The company in Italy takes our our scan of it and hands it to this guy. You know, we're still trying to talk to Tivoli to see if he's going to help us into this and this and this. This guy's already starting work. So clearly he's going to beat us to market using our scan. There was a particular dot com that had a three, 400 page Suspiria post, you know, on Synapsis Suspiria restoration that went on for over 400 pages. Oh God. And, and mostly what it was, cause we weren't saying anything. We don't talk publicly. We're not going to get engaged in public wars, pissing contests. There's no winner. Anybody who does that loses. And we don't do that. So we figure, you know, we'll let our work sh- speak for itself. So in the meantime, everybody else fights on our for and against us. It seemed like most of the people posting from Europe said, this guy has it together. Look at his beautiful stuff. Synapse is already making mistakes. No one saw any of our work at that point. They're screwing it up. Some idiot in Montreal posted yeah, I work in the industry and look what, you know, look at these readings off my so-and-so scope. And it's, yeah, yeah, these people are so stupid and they embarrass themselves. What, I'm supposed to reply to that kind of nonsense? <laughs> right. We right, don't. Right, right. We don't. Right. So it got to a, a fever pitch and Don was basically done. So I said, let's do this. Why don't we post not on that website we'll post on the synapse site or maybe he, they chose don chose somewhere else but let's just do a frame by frame comparison to that by this point this person in europe put out his version let's do a, a screenshots his ours his ours his ours his ours don't say anything just put it up and that was awesome because it showed that we got the colors right and he screwed up the colors there was certain scenes that, you know, there were two different colors used and he only had one. People started to say, well, why does theirs have the, the purple light with the with the red and yours just has everything's red? Oh, they didn't want it so seen, shown that way. Well, you don't put in a purple light if you don't right. <laughs> if you don't want the purple to be seen. <laughs> right. You know. Right, right. So this continued back and forth a little bit longer till another I, I don't know which website it was, but everybody said, Well, enough arguing. Let's wait till so and so puts up their comparison. And then they did. And somebody posted, Well, I guess that answers that question. And that was the end. There was not, there was 20 posts a day going up. That was the last post. Somebody said, well, I guess that answers that. So yes, we were very annoyed with them for giving that person our uh, scan of the negative because had they not, there never would have been any controversy and his version wouldn't have come out first. But then again, there's two sides to that coin. That controversy forced people to become very curious, and ours won out, and I think it's really helped the sales. 
But, you know, those people gave me a renewal. So I have the title now for a long, long time. Oh, okay. And they have been the nicest people. Uh, my girl left and a new guy came and he is the greatest. I love talking to this guy. In fact, I email him about things that don't even concern Suspiria. You know, just uh, uh, somebody in the industry to shoot the shit with. Just a, a great people. So we love them. The other company we dealt with, um, again, pretty easy to deal with, but we had to win a bid. I mean, we couldn't talk our way into it. We had to win a bid. So they're, you know, they they like you, but they're a little standoffish. That's not that unusual, though, is it? Like to 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 bid no, on a film? No, but you once you license a film, whether they acknowledge it or not, you're partners with whoever that person is sure, you're you're in sure. it together to sure. make money and to do the best you can so you you want to have a warmer relationship with your partner sometimes it's not possible but one thing i'll say about the other company and that's the people we get demons from and and whatever i send them a royalty check every quarter and every time they get one they sound so surprised like oh my god because i guess <laughs> it's not a, a common practice in the industry to be honest, you mean? <laughs> to be I don't honest, know. Your own conclusion. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. But uh, no, so you know, no, I, I, I can't say I haven't enjoyed dealing with with both companies. Well, it's so. interesting because as a as a collector, and I think I've shown you a, at least a photograph of part of my movie collection. It's quite extensive, but yes, but there's. You know, the Italy has and Japan. You know, like we talked about previously on a previous episode, but so many films that collectors, you know, Suspiria, of course, being a, a big one, Demons and Demons 2, another big couple films, but all those films are so important to our libraries, given what we like to collect and like to watch, that things, uh, things like that, that sometimes stand in our way and we're not aware of it. It's just like the kindred. I told you I, I, I didn't know all these issues were standing in the way between me as a consumer and the actual film itself getting to me. Part of me says, the movie's there and people want to buy it. Stop being so hard-ass about it. <laughs> you know, it's like, don't you want to get it out there? But then it's so complicated because there's, there's people involved in this. And yeah, it's human nature. It, it's trying to determine, like, I think I said this in, you know, our original interview, not the podcast, uh, uh, the Synapse podcast, but on your old podcast, right. that original interview, mm -hmm. um, I mentioned everyone and everything is different. You know, there's no set way. And when, when we find a, a producer or a film owner, let, let's a license or let's use that term that cares about his movie. It's such a pleasure because we always get it because if he cares about his movie, where else is he going to go? But when you come across the guys and there's an awful lot of them who couldn't care less about the movie, all they want is the biggest buck. And unfortunately there's way more people like, like that and it's so frustrating because we want to sell ourselves and what do we have to sell only what we can do for the film and they're not interested so we just had one there was a, a movie that Lionsgate was 
about to lose. I don't know if they're going to renew it, but it belongs to a studio. And I got a call and the guy said, the director wanted me to call you to see if you're interested in this movie. And we go, yes, yes. We love that movie. It's great. We want to do a special edition and blah, 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 blah. This guy couldn't care less. Did not want to hear a word of it. He said, what is your projections? How many are you going to sell? What are we going to get? And it's like, whoa, what? What? I don't do well in those kind of conversations because, you know, first of all, somebody's asking you your opinion on a sales thing, you know, it's like you can say whatever you want, but I don't want to be a liar. I don't want to develop a name in the end. I mean, it's, I, I told him, I said, you know, it's really a bad question to ask. He goes, why? I said, because I can say whatever I want. You can't put any stock in the answer I give you. So why even ask it? Well, he didn't like that answer. So, you know, he ended, we hung up and I never heard from him again. I ain't getting that movie. Well, and sometimes the bigger the movie is, the less interest there is in another release. I mean, how many, how many, especially the big franchise films that we know have been released over and over and over to the, re, to the point now people are only buying it because there's maybe a new feature on it anymore i mean uh, it, yeah one movie you guys put out this is a great example of i think what what i've always liked about synapse is one movie you guys put out that no one else that i know of put out that was very cool to me and i could not wait to buy it was curtains ah it wasn't my favorite movie of all time but it was my favorite trailer of all time it was my favorite tv commercial of all time because that tv commercial scared me worse than most of the movies i've ever seen and stuff. I just, right. but as a collector, that's the thing. To me, the bigger studios don't serve collectors very well. It, it's it's a mess to me. They give you a bunch of stuff, maybe, or they don't give you anything at all. You know, when the when when these movies come out, and so it, it, it's it's a little maddening for a collector anymore. And and like you've said in this podcast before, the people collecting these things, the numbers aren't skyrocketing. You know, it's kind of a niche community, you know, hopefully that's holding steady now. Uh, but, you know, with the streaming and everything else, it's you're, you're fighting for dollars a little bit, too. But to me, I want I want to buy something from someone who's selling it to collectors, if that resonates or makes any sense to me. And sometimes it makes perfect sense. Perfect. You sense. know, when I get something from. You guys, I know that you're fans clamoring to get everything a fan wants. And when I get something from a big studio, I have more of a feeling I'm only getting what they're willing to give me so they can get me again. And I don't appreciate that. And I do, I, I will double dip and buy a movie if I feel like every, if Synapse in the year 2000 put out a DVD that was a be all end all DVD of, let's say, curtains, I just mentioned that. And then 10 years later, you do the be-all, end-all Blu-ray of curtains. I have no problem whatsoever buying that again because I feel like it was done for the same reasons and it was done for me. When I see companies putting out films over and over and over and over again, here's the here's every movie in this series put together. Here's every movie in this series put together plus a new bonus disc. Here's, I mean, I'm like, hey, uh, <laughs> Just come to my house, knock on my door saying, just give me money. Right. And I don't, I don't appreciate save, that. Save me the shelf space. <laughs> right. I don't appreciate that. You know, so it's gotten to the point now where 
I hate to tell this to these companies, but you are, you're teaching people like me not to buy your stuff, to wait. And that's what's happening. I have, I, I am an avid collector. And when you guys put something out or let's say another boutique company that we both would appreciate and like, you want to pick up that title. You want to get that. If a larger company starts putting out, let's say it's a franchise of films, and you see that larger company start putting out like a 4K release of one of the movies in the, in the franchise and stuff, eh-eh. no, sir. <laughs> I'm going to sit back, I'm going to wait, and I'm going to see what people say. I'm going to, you know what I mean? And I don't feel like that with other companies. So I think they're cutting their own throats. Uh, if they want to stay in this part of the business, the, the the physical media thing. And to be frank with you, Jerry, you tell me what you think. I don't think they do want to stay in the physical media business. I don't think it serves them any any good at all. It would seem like they actually hate it. Yeah. You know, they don't. They're all fighting each other over the VOD and the streaming and stuff like that. I told Don, when Synapse is reduced to streaming, that's really going to be the end of us because, you know, first of all, there's, we do catalog titles. We do for the most part, older films that people love and we restore them and we make them look great. But when you go online to watch a movie, you're not going to get past the next Harry Potter film or the newest Disney animation or something. I mean, you're going to see something brand new. You're not going to go deep catalog and say, oh, there's, you know, so there's no money for us. So there's no way to do the restorations. We go out of business. You know, that's why we do the steel books first. And if they don't sell, we drop it. And we're not going to put out a regular version because we've sank so much money into the restoration. We need to sell all the steel books just to get even. Then we could maybe put out a regular version. Uh, that's that's it for us. We have to do an amazing collector's edition of just about everything we do, or we're finished. And do you think these studios want to do that? They got revolving studio heads and department heads. I mean, it, that door spins faster than you could keep up with. So they get their job. They just want to keep it for as long as they can. I mean this sincerely. And I, I, I said earlier, I cannot lie to an audience. I tell my wife this all the time. It's like, how do I do this? She's like, what do you mean? Like I've talked about movies, Jerry, I don't like. And sometimes there's people that I like very dearly that are involved in these movies or I'm trying to help them, but I don't like it. So I have to do a dance. I do not want to lie. And I'm telling you people, everyone, I had a podcast before this and half the time I was complaining about transfers and different, you know, releases of movies and how it looks like crap and how the other things look good and stuff. And I am here doing this because I believe in what you guys are doing. And I wouldn't be here putting my name behind this as a collector if I didn't think this this was the premier company releasing things that looks better and cares about their customers and cares about the people and cares about the movies. And one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast is because I'm, I know this stuff because I know Don and Jerry. Well, everybody else doesn't know these guys, so they might be ogres back there trying to make a buck off everybody too, but that's not what you're doing. And this, this to me is an opportunity to talk about stuff I love and to let people know that you guys care and you care about us. And some of these other companies, they do care more about the bottom line 
than anything else. And that's not to say as a company, you don't care about the bottom line. What I appreciate is that you're honest about that on here. And that is, that's big to me. And I want people to understand Jerry's honest about all this stuff, including if you buy it from us, you might get it earlier, but it's going to be more expensive. I mean, thank you. Just say it. It's okay. (laughs) It's all right. I mean, you literally say people only buy from us to support us, not because they're looking for the greatest deal. People like me, and, and I know you know that, but I'm telling you again, we appreciate that. That's, that's real. That's not because we're doing a podcast together. That's not because of this. I'm only here because it's real. Otherwise, I'd do something else. I, I, I would. I don't, I don't have any reason to have to do this at all. I want to because I want people to hear what you're saying and know that. And I care deeply about collecting these movies, and I care deeply about the films themselves. And I want people to hear this, and they want them to hear you, and when we can get Don, tear him away from what he's doing him every now and then. But, you know, as far as the spirit goes, as far as that, Don talked about this in, what, episode five that he was on. I want him to keep mm-hmm. working to get this stuff out because I want to watch these movies. <laughs> and everybody else does, too. You know, so, but I appreciate that you come on here, you take your time, and you're honest. And you let people know that you care and what you care about. And you're honest about that too. And I think that that comes through very well. Well, Tim, listen, I want to say something directly to the fans and the people out there listening. If you guys have been paying attention and you've just heard the words that come out, came out of Tim's mouth just a few minutes ago, this is what I look for in people. And this is what you'll find with Jen, Ryan, Tim, Angie, of course, Don, my daughter, Noah, uh, Steve Roy. If there was one uniting word that everybody has in common, it's passion. Everybody, everybody has a passion for what we're doing. And again, that I think that makes us a little bit different. And you know, it's it's kind of sums up in one word the reasons why we do things the way we do them. And thank you, everybody, and thank you, Tim. Uh, you know, you're part of the team. It's you're not an outsider. You're you're part of the team, and we we love everybody. And with that note, I am going to say goodbye for this podcast, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, Jerry. Well, thanks a lot, and. Uh... Looking forward to what's coming out this winter. We're going to be talking about about that through the winter itself. So thank you, Jerry. Okay. Bye-bye, everybody. As always, thank you very much, Jerry, for taking your time and speaking with the friends and fans of Synapse Films, you may now get back to watering the plants and cutting yourself some paper dolls and whatever else you do to fill up your time while you are bored at the offices at Synapse Films. And now we'd like to welcome in Synapse Films team member, Jen Rowe. Hi, Jen. Hi. So, in the interest of full disclosure, Jen is engaged to our first guest from this podcast, Ryan Rock and Rolson. Ryan Olson. So, <laughs> yes. you are not officially yet. So, right now, Jen, you are only Jen Rock and Row. 
but very soon That's you will be right. Jen Rock and Rolson. When what? How far away is the wedding? It's in March. Oh wow, it's coming up, huh? Not I, far away. Ooh, yeah. I don't need to remind you that, do I? Oh, no. It's it's crunch time, that's for sure. (laughs) Right. right. Well, congratulations to you and Ryan uh, on your your rockin' wedding coming up here. A couple questions, just general questions. So you are a team member at Synapse, and I'm going to have you and Ryan on the show together sometime talking about how you guys met, and you guys Mm -hmm. are kind of a team yourself within the team of Synapse. Uh, How did you discover Synapse as a company? Uh, Going to conventions, actually. Okay. I came across them at conventions. Um, I've been going to conventions since 2000, about 2000. Okay. And they were at Motor City Comic Con, I believe, the first time I saw them. Um, the first time I met them in general was at my first Wasteland, which was 2001. Um, and I've been talking to them ever since. What caught your eye at their table? Oh, my gosh. Um, it was more of their Asian horror that they <laughs> were carrying at uh-huh. the time. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, I, I can't remember if it was wild zero was one of the first ones I bought for them. I, my, my years are scattered. Sure, like, sure. I can't remember what year it was when I bought that so long ago. Um, but I remember a lot of their Asian horror movies I was drawn to, I was really big into Asian horror at that time. So, um, I was drawn to that. Definitely. We're going to talk about Suspiria today. All right. When did you first discover Suspiria? When did you first hear about it? And then when did you first see it? Let me think. It was early 2000s. A friend of mine, a dear close friend, Glenn, he was helping um, a teacher at Mott Community College in Flint. Uh, It was a film class that he was helping. And he was showing different films, uh, horror films around the time. It was in October. And he um, introduced me to Suspiria. And, oh my gosh, the first time I saw it, my mind was blown, completely blown. That, that was my introduction to Italian horror in general. Like, uh, I got totally into the giallo and everything else because of that. Like, oh, I loved it. The first time I did, believe it or not, I was very young. I was, so if it came out in 77, it was probably like 1980 or something. But I, I was reading Fangoria and mm-hmm. Alice Cooper had a top 10 list of the top 10 greatest horror films that he had ever seen. Number one was Monster Dog, <laughs> because he's in it. <laughs> and he fully admitted that. But number two was Suspiria, which I had never heard of. And he said it was like a, a nightmare on film. That's all, that's all yes. he said. So it took me a few years to find it, to track it down after that. Uh, but yeah, it is definitely, it's, it's an experience, like, like an assault on the senses. It is. This movie is not exactly, uh, let's say, the most linear narrative, you know, which is also pretty common with the mm-hmm. Italian, you know, films. I used to always say, just you got to go with them. You just got to let them right. take you through the film. It's a journey. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So especially Suspiria. Now, it does take place at a school of dance in Germany, and mm-hmm. it is an all-girls school. So from a woman's perspective, how do you start to interpret all this insanity? <laughs> This beautiful oh insanity that is Suspiria, because I I hear it talked about in those terms. I'm asking you because, like, when I watch a film, I don't really identify with the character in those terms. Like, I can watch Wizard of Oz. I'm fully identifying mm-hmm. with Dorothy. It's no big deal to me. But I'm just curious, because it is so heavy on the feminine perspective, 
in that movie? What am I missing? What are you what are you getting out of it? So from the beginning of the movie, Susie, like getting off the airplane in that airport, it looks chaotic, but it's kind of calm at the same time. And then it's like the minute those doors open, it's just chaos from then on. You're in this world, this unknown, scary world. I can relate to that. Going someplace new, doing something that's out of your comfort zone kind of thing. And you're just like in the wind, in the rain, just, you know, kind of lost, looking for help. And I, I, can, re- I can relate to that, you know? I mean, she's just about jumping in front of taxis to get a ride, right, <laughs> you know? Right, right. Yeah, she definitely does go from a, it almost seems like a serene, calm uh, mood in just abruptly into a nightmare. Just thrown into it, yes. Um, and then when she gets to the school, the cattiness and the bitchiness of the girls there, I can relate to that too. It happens in the women's world, that's for sure. You gotta, you've got to find your friends. Well, you know, what's interesting too is that they, they, I guess when the movie was written, they were written as like 12-year-old girls. Yes. Yeah, and so Which, in, instead, of, but instead of rewriting it, they just kept the... The script exactly the same, but they had more adult women uh, sort of acting more as as younger girls. That that might have thrown me off a little bit. Yeah, but you know what? In reality, a lot of grown women still act that way. So. <laughs> Especially toward each other. Yes, exactly. Uh, uh, and the colors, too. Oh, my gosh. I kind of noticed some of the colors go with the characters like a lot of um sarah's scenes are green i don't know if it's just the the panic that she's feeling like the um, anxiety or something that they were going for where she's more green but oh my gosh the colors i mean like i've i don't say that this movie is the most beautiful horror movie in the world for anything like the, <laughs> you just you you watch this movie and it's just one heck of an eyegasm through the whole thing it's crazy I mean, the textures and the colors and like, I just, I want that dance academy as my house. That's all I want in this world. That's all I want. <laughs> Behold, it's <laughs> upkeep, but yeah. I don't, I don't yes, one, right. yeah, the, the velvet or whatever that's on the walls everywhere. Like, <laughs> it's a little you know. gaudy, a little gaudy. Yes, it's taken a little. the 70s to the nth degree. Uh, exactly. <laughs> but in the architecture of the buildings, oh my gosh. Right. You know, it's it's interesting, too, because, you know, my, my wife, Angie, who, who you met at, at, at Flashback, mm-hmm. when I met her, she was not in this world at all. She had no interest in horror films or anything like that. And then you can't really be with me and not at least get some sort of horror <laughs> in your life, if not right. just waking up knowing <laughs> that you're with me is enough of a horror to begin with. But <laughs> it was interesting because I kind of like... I wanted to sort of step her into it. You know, you don't start with Cannibal Holocaust. You know, you you, you start right. with something light or something. I think the first movie we watched together was my favorite movie, which is Halloween. But it mm-hmm. wasn't too far into us dating that I, I kind of went out on a limb and I showed her Suspiria. And she really liked it to the point where she wanted to watch other movies by that same director, by Dario Argeno. Yeah. And she started really getting into Dario Argeno, which I find fascinating because as a again as a guy i kind of feel like he makes me uncomfortable how his women are portrayed in the films suspiria is a little different because it it really is a a female-centric world and i find Mm -hmm. it fascinating 
because as a guy, I don't know, I don't want to call his movies misogynistic, but they do feel like he gets a little rough in the in the violence department. Mm-hmm. And okay. you know, it's kind of funny because she did kind of see it as a beautiful horror. If you can make a disgusting, gross murder artistic and beautiful, it's got to be about as close to it as you can get in that in that movie. Oh, that first kill scene is just remarkable. Like. <laughs> Gosh, the glass falling. and It's beautiful. If a murder scene can be beautiful, that's like one of the most beautiful murder scenes I've ever seen. <laughs> do, you, do you find it uncomfortable how, even in some of the other films, and, and not just Suspiria, but how some there's some brutality going on, and some of it seems a little brutality. excessive. Uh, you could interpret it, it that be. way you know, or whatever. And it seems very much on purpose. Right. But there's also a lot of very strong female characters in um, the Giallo films too. The ones that are, the the detective-like women that are trying to solve everything. Uh, Daria tends to be one of the stronger characters in the movies. Daria Nicolodi? Yes. Was was that his ex? They were never married, were they? But isn't that Ozzy's mom? I don't believe... That's Agia's mom. Yeah, okay. that was like his muse. Mm-hmm. Um, um, she tends to be very strong in a lot of the movies. So it, it's kind of a give and take. Like, yes, the brutality of the kills towards the women are horrible. But, you know, you look at American slasher films. You know, I mean, it, a lot of women are running through the forest. And, oh, my ankle. And then, you know, whereas a lot, of, a lot of Italian films, I mean, the women tend to put up a little bit more of a fight. And the ones that I've seen anyways. But yes, they, they are more brutal kills. <laughs> yeah, you know, if you think about it too, I think some of the movies in Suspiria and Argeno and movies like that too, they started having, I guess you would call, what I, what they call now a final girl. Right. And this has more to do with, uh, it's, this isn't, a, this isn't a, a sexist thing. It has more of me defending horror you know, than anything mm-hmm. else when people say that, you know, there's no strong characters in horror and women are always like, what do you Women are always the ones that, that kill the monster or the bad guy. But, you know, when you think about it, post, what, post really Giallo. Before that, mm-hmm. it was Harold Hanson Pants and the, <laughs> fighting the giant bug, you know, and the, and the, right. the lady was grabbing <laughs> coffee and sandwiches for everybody throughout the movie and looking nice for everybody. Right. They may say that she's a scientist, but she's making the sandwiches. That's right. <laughs> that is true, by the way. She's making scientific <laughs> coffee for everyone. Perfect, perfect coffee exactly. for everyone. Yeah. Uh, there's a little bit, too, that I've heard in Suspiria. You know, there was like kind of a, a lesbian angle in the movie. And I kind of think, I kind of think that's like saying like the thing is like a homosexual metaphor or something. I'm like, no, these are movies about aliens and witches and a girl's school or something like that. And I think people dig too deep sometimes into these movies where if you look at me, I think Suspiria is not to be an, um, like, you're not supposed to dig deep into a social thing like that. It is an assault on your, on your senses. No, I totally agree. It is. And I mean, it's, I don't know how they get, how do they get a lesbian theme out of it? Because the only one that's somewhat sexualized is um, Olga. She's the only one that's somewhat, you know, with her showing her thigh and stuff. But, I mean, it's more of her prancing around, like, being theatrical. It's not like she's, you know, coming on to Sarah or... Yeah, I think it's I think it's it's a it's a sort of a misunderstanding because they are acting like 12 year olds. 
Right. So they're a little more, you know, grabby, he, he, he. I mean, the boys are the same way, you know, or whatever. And I think that, that people, like, look at movies like this to me. And they try so hard to interject some sort of important <laughs> something into these. I'm like, what's important is the art. Yes. It, it's, it's supposed to frighten you, scare you, and, and just completely not let you go the entire, the entire movie. The thing is, is the sound and the music, if you notice in the film, it almost doesn't stop through the whole thing. It doesn't. It's amazing. It is. And it's just intense. <laughs> it's absolutely intense, too. And we can talk a little bit, too, about that intensity coming through with the restoration that Don did, you know, too, oh, because the colors and the audio on, on the 4K disc or the Blu-ray that, that they put out, is just insane. It's absolutely oh insane. God. I've had foreign region Blu-rays of this, and I'm sure you have too, and DVDs and everything. Yeah. But this was like, uh, it's almost like seeing it again for the first time. Did was. you watch this the first time on VHS? I did. Uh-huh. Isn't it I amazing did. what you miss oh watching it in VHS in full frame and all that? Well, and every time I watch... It again, I see more and more things, especially with this this restoration that Don did. Um, I'm noticing more and more things, like when the gleam of that um, I don't know if it's a knife or that shiny object that that maid, that ogre of a maid, is hanging yeah, onto, yeah. <laughs> and it <laughs> shines longer. across her eyes. Yeah, I never noticed that the little boy, the the woman, the uh, madam's nephew is smirking like this evil grin next to her the whole time that it's shining on on Susie. I never noticed that before. And I don't know if it's just the glare of the object was kind of covering him in other ones or something, but the textures of the wallpaper and everything, like I never noticed those. It's amazing what you see now. The blood is more vibrant and, you know, it's just everything is just pops. It's, it's even more beautiful. Those little moments come out better now, too, don't you think? It does. There's not a whole lot of narrative to this movie. That's what's funny. It's such a complex visual that you're looking for a complex story or a complex narrative. It's not. It's so simple. It's confusing. Right. I never even knew there was a damn witch in this movie. For what? years. I didn't know what the hell was going on. All I knew is that there was a lot of loud shit going on, and it was really disturbing, <laughs> and the murders were creepy, and I don't really know who was who. And there were people like there were like maggots falling from above, and above oh. was supposed to be a hallway at one point, but then it turns into something else. I don't know where people we, are in time. Can and we space. talk about the maggots for a reason for for a minute? <laughs> yeah, go like, ahead. Like why why would you store meat in the attic? That's my question. I don't know. In a trunk, in the attic. I don't know. And was it supposed <laughs> to be meat they were storing, or was it a corpse? What was it? I, it, it, it looked like sausage or something. Uh-huh. Like, it looked like a sausage that was hollowed out with maggots inside of it. Like, that. that's that's from what I saw. I don't right. know. Right. <laughs> I, I have to pause on it. But, it, yeah, because, I mean, the first time I saw the movie, I thought for sure when they went in the attic, it was going to be a dead person up there. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the students had disappeared or sure. something was going to be up there, and that's why the maggots were falling. But it was meat in a chest. In the attic. And the other thing, too, is I think earlier in the movie, they're commenting on there's footsteps above them. Yes. And someone's walking down a hall or something, and that hallway transforms into an attic area later in the movie with maggots in it. Yes. So, so it's really, the whole thing is disconcerting. And then talk about some strange men. 
<laughs> when you yes. have a movie and the most normal guy in your movie is Udo Kier, I mean, you got some weird dudes in your movie to begin with, man. So first, well, he of all, was normal. Well, you know, they had to voice. They had to do a voiceover on him. I know that was disappointing. I like Udo's weird voice. It was. <laughs> I love his voice. I do too. I do too. And but then you have like the, oh, I don't know. There's like the skinny dancer guy that's kind of like. I, I call him a Harold Handsome Pants. He's kind of like in the background of the movie. You you mentioned the kid, mm-hmm. the nephew of the the really hot maid that they have yeah. in the movie. Yes. And then there's the brute of a guy that I'm sorry, but I'm looking around. When, I, when that guy comes on the screen, I'm looking around the room going, does anybody else think that this looks like a like challenged, like hulking version of Argeno himself? Oh my goodness. That's what I thought the first time I saw it. Because I saw pictures of Argento, but yeah. the first time I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> He's like a caricature of him. Yes, he is. The giant Romanian oh. butler with false teeth. Yeah. You know, he, <laughs> He's so proud of those teeth, too, isn't he? He is so proud of those teeth. They look so beautiful out of him. Right, exactly. And that's the other thing, too, with this movie. It's very confusing yes. as to who is the... Who's the main antagonist? Who's the one running around with the werewolf arms? Right. <laughs> I think it helps that I saw it later after, you know, after it was out for many years and I got to hear about the three mothers and the storyline. And, you know, so it helps that it, I'm like, oh, of course it's about witches because, you know, I've, <laughs> it's the three mothers. <laughs> right. But if, if I would have, you know, back in the day before the internet, when I, you know, you don't really hear the whole storyline of the director's thoughts and everything. Mm-hmm. I probably would have been like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I want to say it was it was slightly based out of Confessions of an English Opium Eater. Um, but he talks about three mothers, about three witches or something in that book. And, and that's kind of loosely what he based this off of between that and I believe Daria talked to him about her grandmother went to a dance school that the dance school was a front where it was actually um a school about um the occult and and so that got his imagination going along with that book and i believe that's where this the three mothers and everything the idea was formed there's also was it thomas de quincey the suspiria de profundis or whatever there's a lot of Mm -hmm. like i'm not a reader at all I don't read road signs if I, I don't have to, you know, so it's, <laughs> I'm bad about it. I have friends that are authors and stuff too. I just, I apologize to everyone. It's like the most reading I do is if I watch a foreign film and I watch a subtitle, you know, I mean, <laughs> you're right. They take a couple of, a couple little pieces of those books and stuff. But I, I, I kind of agree with you. I think a lot of this was Daria and that story yes. about her, her her grandmother wasn't that like World War One or something around then, or I believe so. Yeah, I, I'm not sure the exact storyline, but I find it very fascinating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've always loved the folk tale. I, I've always loved witches in general and folk horror in general. Like I, I love it. I mean, some of my all time favorite movies have to do with witches. So I'm really proud of Don and Jerry about this release because. To get what you're supposed to get out of it, it needs to be seen in a beautiful presentation, a stark. Oh, my gosh. Um, the, the surround sound is great on it, keeping you in, in tatters, basically, throughout the entire film. 
You can't watch. I mean, even if you try to turn the volume down, it ain't going to work. I mean, if the volume is no. where it's supposed to be, it's going to be beating your head. Yes. It's Ryan and I, we watched it again last night. Because, I mean, I've seen it many times, but I wanted to watch it again to see if there was anything else that I missed. Because it's one of those movies. You can rewatch it. Um, and we had it kind of turned down because the kids were sleeping. And But even with it turned down, the music was just in your face. And I loved it. Every I'm like, I'm like, okay, you know what? We just got to... When the kids go to school, we need to just turn this on with surround sound full blast and just, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. We need to watch it the way it's supposed to be watched. Right, I mean, right. it's good even watching it with the volume down, but it's amazing to have it in your face. I mean, that soundtrack in general, just, I mean, I've listened to that soundtrack just in my car because I love that soundtrack so much. So to have it sound the way that it sounds now on this restoration, oh my God. It's amazing. One of the cool scenes that where there's some subtle sounds and like visuals and stuff is one of the most stranger scenes in the film, if I can even say that, uh, <laughs> is when the guys, the blind guys walking the dog through the, I think it was an old Nazi. It was uh, King's Court. Okay, it, I, yeah. I don't know the German word, but it's King's Court is the name of the. The courtyard. But I never caught what the hell was going on in that scene. And now I'm watching it going, is that supposed to be like a witch on a broom? Right. Like, I, and I'm starting to catch this now. And if you look at the little shadow, it almost mm -hmm. could be that. And I never saw that before. Yeah, you could definitely see all the shadows and everything that I never noticed before. And you can hear all the whispers. And it, like, I never noticed all the whispers. I mean, I knew there were some whispers because of the soundtrack, but mm -hmm. there was even more that I haven't noticed before mm -hmm. in this version of it. Mm -hmm. To where I'm like, oh my God, it's so creepy. All of it, you know, in the background. <laughs> and like, you know. <laughs> well, you know, I had to look that up too because that's what Suspiria, like, that's it's, it's translated, I guess, into Italian and Spanish in different ways, but. To sigh or to whisper? Yes, it's the mother of sighs. Yeah. I believe is Helena is considered the mother of sighs. And so you hear the whispering and everything all over the place. And, and and to me in that courtyard, it was almost like she was whispering to the dog. Like, I don't know what the maid and that kid did to the dog outside. If they put like a hex on the dog or what, when they said that he bit the kid. Uh-huh. But... To me, it almost sounded like the witch was causing the dog to go crazy and then attack his owner, like, you know, telling it what to do. Because you could see, like, the, the fly down, like, you could see the swooping. And so I didn't know if it was, like, her swooping down and, like, whispering to the dog. Or That is interesting because they seem... Now I am hearing a different perspective on it because there's stuff that I'm, I'm... You're saying that I never thought of. I never thought of... The witch coming down or whispering to the dog and causing the dog to attack. Because to me, I'm just like, oh, okay. The dog just said, I'm done with you. <laughs> you know, I never, it, mm -hmm. it didn't really register to me like that. So maybe, maybe you are feeling, maybe it's just two different people feeling it in a different way, you know, uh, but maybe yeah. you are seeing it from a, a different perspective or hearing it. But then again, I'm not as much, not that I don't like it, but I don't, I haven't gravitated toward, the witch films, to me, are a lot like the occult films. I'm a little picky on them. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on the film, just in general? It's the most beautiful horror movie I've ever seen. Sound-wise, visual-wise, it's just, it's all there. I mean, even the kills are beautiful, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is hard to do. <laughs> um, 
it's gorgeous. Mm. It's gorgeous. And and the, the colors and the restoration and the sound and everything that, that Don and Jerry did just take it to that next level that I didn't think it could be taken to. It, it's amazing. I think Suspiria, though, is his rock opera. Definitely. You know, I think it's his, it's him showing off what he can do as a as a filmmaker much more than a storyteller. And I do think it's kind of sad. It is part of a trilogy where <laughs> the rest of the trilogy is kind of a, eh, you know, throw yeah. I, I'm or Inferno to me is okay. It's like, all right, but it, it's... It's not Suspiria. No, it's not Suspiria yeah. at all. It's not, no, <laughs> not even close. <laughs> well, I, I agree with you. I think that um, Don Don's work, I, I do have, and I don't, I know there was a, there was a little bit of a, a back and forth. There were a couple of companies, I think, when this was being restored by Don that in Italy, I think, that put out Blu-rays or did something, something behind the scenes. I have no idea. But I do have other high-def versions of this film, and it's not even close mm-hmm. no. to what Don and Jerry put out. And, and actually, to be frank with you, when I got that, the other one, I liked it. I was like, oh, wow, this is a nice-looking Blu-ray. And then I got Don and Jerry's, and I was like that old, what was it, that old Maxell thing where my hair was being blown back and I'm sitting I was like holy cow gee what I mean just the opening scene where you where the camera's following her through the airport and you're just seeing yes everything like in detail the the first 15 minutes of that movie are just absolutely amazing Mm -hmm. I mean just just her sitting in the back of the taxi Mm-hmm. And the colors of the different lights flashing on her face with the rain running down the windows, reflecting on her and her trying to have somewhat of a conversation with that that taxi driver mm-hmm. <laughs> it just gives her like this double eye the whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's amazing just seeing that the lights and the reflections and and to see it restored like that. Oh, my gosh. And I, I will give it this: there, there might not be a lot of story that's that is is not might be not a lot of story that is very easy to pick up on. But her anxiety mm-hmm. is really well manifested in this movie, and you feel that. Oh gosh, yes. And so, even though you oh, yeah. don't really know what's going on, but if you were in that situation, you wouldn't know what was going on either. Right. It's I kind of I kind of think of it as almost like Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's got those those big. Those big eyes that are just like, you know, kind of freaked out constantly, you know? She's just like, oh my gosh, what's going on? She's kind of naive and thrown into this. And she's, you can see that she's scared. And, but at the same time, intrigued, like, you know, she wants to know what's going on. She's just kind of lost in this very colorful, beautiful, scary world. Almost a nightmare. Yeah, like a nightmare fever dream version of Alice yes. Lerner. It's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. And it doesn't let you go. It doesn't it just it just beats you up the whole time you're watching. It beats your ears up, it beats your eyes up, your emotions. Oh god, yeah. And then just spits you out and all right, I'm done with you. But it beats it in a way that you want more. So yes, that's good. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, I think I, I honestly do think that I'm a I'm, as we all are. I'm a collector. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. I'm a collector, and I collect the best version of a film that I can find. You know, the the cleanest, yes. the best, and it's not going to get better than this. No, it's just not. It's not. Um, it's not. I'm not even sure it looked this good when it was in theaters. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, mean, I don't think it did. I mean, what's neat about it too is to know. The Don worked with Tavoli, worked with the actual 
director of photography and stuff so that he knew what mm-hmm. was intended. There's a lot of fixes in yes. films that are very cool. But when you know it was what, you know it what was intended because the person who actually was doing it said, yes, mm-hmm. this is what we were going for. That makes me feel good as a film nerd. Oh, gosh, yes. You can definitely, you can definitely see the love put into this movie. The love and care that right, Don right. put into the movie to make sure it was shown the way it was supposed to be seen. Right. You know, you can see it. Don himself is such a movie nerd. I mean, all you got to do oh, is yeah. stand there with the guy for a little bit. You know, it's like every time his <laughs> mouth opens, it's like it's another movie quote or it's like another fact or something like that. Or it's another, mm-hmm. well, this version had this problem, this, you know, like that. He will, he's an encyclopedia of all that stuff. And and that's the kind of people we do need overseeing these because most of the time those people are people like me or yourself who just might complain because we know better. You know, if we see something like right. that's not the way it's supposed to be, well thank thank God we have people like Don who are exactly the same way that are in charge of putting the stuff out. Oh, and he's a perfectionist. I've I've talked to him before where he's like, I was watching a movie. It was supposed to be some great restoration of some movie. And he's like, and there was a cigarette burn in the corner or, you know, like it was was just a a slight second flash that none of us would see with normal human eyes would see. Right. But, but he saw it and it's like, what (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, they should be so proud of that. It was a momentous release. By, mm-hmm. by Synapse, in my opinion. Whether or not we're involved with the company or not, ah, that it's, it's amazing to see that, you know. Oh, my gosh. It yes. actually, what it did is it got me excited for the future releases they're doing. Yes. Ah, what, a, what a release. What a, great, what a great movie. It's amazing. Strange movie, uh, but fodder for lots of conversation and interesting, interesting conversation for sure. So thank you, Jen, for talking about Suspiria for a little bit. And I guess we will see oh. you at Flashback uh, when the I hope so, yes. Yeah. Yes. So that should be fun. So we will be looking forward to that. Say hello to your blushing husband-to-be, Ryan Rock and Rolson. And, I sure will. And congratulations on your wedding and good luck with all the planning and everything. Oh, thank you so much. And uh, you take care at work too. Jen is in the the healthcare business and it's a little bit of a strain yes. these days. So <laughs> oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> appreciate that and take care at work and be safe. And uh, Oh, thank you. And we will, uh, we will talk to you here soon. So thanks for sitting down and talk to us. All right, thank you. Thank you so much for taking your time out, Jen Rock and Row. And congratulations and all the best of luck planning the wedding on your journey to becoming Jen Rock and Rolson. And of course, on behalf of all the friends and fans of Synapse Films, congratulations to both of you. As always, thank you for listening to the Synapse Films podcast. I'm going to go now because there appears to be someone still on the Synapse Films podcast hotline here. I'm going to have to clear this line and see who this is and what is going on. Hey, Jerry, have you not hung up yet? No, I'm here. It's not like I got anything better to do, Tim. (laughs) If you're still here, if you haven't hung up, if you've tied up my phones, then you got to give me some kind of news. You have to give me something 
something new. I know you hate doing that, but you got to give me something new that no one knows about. Fine. You want a little something? Yes. Okay. We're putting out Thriller on Blu-ray. You mean the Michael Jackson video? What? It was an honor and a pleasure to be your tour guide on this journey into all things Synapse Films. Until we meet again, be safe, be good to each other, and be right back here next time for the next episode of the Synapse Films Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Synapse Films Podcast. We couldn't be here without you, the fans. So from the bottom of our hearts, we thank you for your continuing support of Synapse Films. 